also now this morning. Uh, Let's start by opening the Word of God that He may speak to us. Our scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 4, reading through the beginning of chapter 5. 1 John 4, verse 13. First John 4, verse 13, we'll read through chapter 5, verse 5. And the first five verses of chapter 5 will be our focus this morning. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world." There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from Him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves Him who has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So far, the reading of God's Word. As we reflect on what we've read, let's sing together from Psalm 119, stanzas 1 and 2. One through five. It's not a long text, but it is quite a dense text. Uh, so we would be helped by just reading those verses again before we delve into the sermon. So I would ask that you open your Bibles and we read these these verses again. Just First John five verses one through five. Here the apostle John says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
So far, the reading of God's word. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to this table to receive the body and blood of Christ, we are once again exhorted by the Apostle John, and it's not the first time, uh, we are exhorted to love one another. That's where chapter 5 begins. Uh, This has been, uh, if you've been following this series, the most oft-repeated command in this letter from John. Uh, We've thought about it many times already uh, in our our meditation before the Lord's table uh, as we've been working our way through this letter. Uh, The fact that the Apostle John then repeats this command that you shall love one another, that he repeats it so often in this letter, should tell us that this is something not only urgent, but something that we need to hear. Uh, Because, presumably, it's something we struggle to do. We need to hear this because we struggle to do this. Never has a church existed, after all, where this has not been a challenge for for the members of that church to love one another. Uh, So the Apostle John reminds us of this over and over and over. This is what Christ commanded you to do, to love one another. This is what Christ expects of you to love one another. And indeed, as we saw in our our sermon last time on chapter 4, this is the measure... Of your love for God. He says, No one can love God whom he's not seen if he doesn't love his brother who he sees. Uh, This is the measure of your love for God. Do you love your brothers and sisters who are born of God? Uh, So that's where John also begins here in chapter 5. In verse 1, he says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves, the, loves whoever has been born of Him. Uh, notice he's drawing a connection between your birth, uh, your, your spiritual birth, and the spiritual birth of your brother and sister. If you've been born of the same Father, you, you should instinctively love whoever else has been born of that Father. Uh, he's saying, in other words, there, there is a natural, or there ought to be, a natural and necessary connection between our, our vertical love for God and our horizontal love for those who've been born of God. Uh, the word translated father, in fact, it's not the normal word for father. Uh, literally in the Greek, it is begetter. Uh, the, the begetter. Uh, so there, in the Greek, it's very clear the point that he's trying to make. Uh, I'll, I'll read it somewhat literally. He says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been begotten, same word, begotten of God, and everyone who loves the begetter loves those who are begotten of him. In other words, there, there's a natural connection. If you are connected to God, you are connected also to those uh, others who are connected to him. And there should be a natural love that flows from that. Uh, That that should be an instinctive thing that Christians have. Uh, So John is is sort of uh, extrapolating from what's what's already naturally true. Uh, You you naturally have a certain love and care for your your biological brothers and sisters. Uh, Even though biology itself matters very little, uh, if that's nonetheless true... How much more 
would we not love those who are our brothers and sisters by virtue of being born again to the same Father? That's the point that John uh, begins with. Uh, and this is, this is essential for us to bear in mind as we come here to the Lord's table. Uh, what we celebrate here at this table is both our vertical communion with Christ as well as our horizontal communion with one another. Uh, And the table uh, reminds us you cannot have the one without the other. Uh, You you do not come to the table in isolation. Uh, You don't come just me and Jesus. You come me and Jesus and my brothers and sisters. Uh, This is one of the reasons why it it is a a valuable thing to have a a physical table uh, up here uh, at the front. Uh, Even though it can be a cumbersome thing, we divide into four tables as a large congregation, it can be cumbersome, yet it, it is a valuable thing because we see on display the communion we also have with one another. You don't get Christ without getting your brothers and sisters uh, in Him. Uh, Our our fellowship with Christ is not just vertical, it's also horizontal. Uh, These are your brothers and sisters, like it or not. Uh, With all their their quirks, uh, with all of the areas in their life that that they still have need of sanctification, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the table proclaims that loud and clear. You want Christ? Christ. You get the package. You get the family. It's like when you get married, uh, you, you, you want your bride. Well, you get her family too. Uh, whether you, you like it or not, it comes as part of the package. Uh, so it is with Christ. If you want him, you get his family as well. Uh, That's what we then put on display when we come to this table as we come forward. We're coming not just to Christ who nourishes us, but we come also to our brothers and sisters who are equally nourished by Him. Then with that that, uh, basic principle then being laid down, the Apostle John now wants to draw our minds to uh, to, to a specific question, which is, what does it actually mean to love your brothers and sisters. This has been the most common repeated command in John. What does it actually mean? Uh, In practice, what does it look like? Uh, And most importantly, how do you know that what you call love is what God calls love? That's the question he he puts before us. Uh, Not everything that feels like love truly is love. And so he says, by this we know that we love our brothers and sisters. Uh, so, uh, in, in, up till now, loving your brothers and sisters has been the measure of your love for God. Now he wants to measure your love for your brothers and sisters itself. Is it truly love? Uh, now, perhaps this has been a question that's been nagging at your minds all along. John keeps telling us, love one another. Uh, And it's all fine and good that that the Apostle John tells us to do this, uh, but what does God actually mean when he says it? Uh, It's entirely possible that we in a congregation of of 350 individuals uh, have been sitting under this admonition, love one another, uh, and in our minds have actually been interpreting that in, in significantly different ways. 
I had someone uh, write to me uh, as the pastor of the church uh, a while back. It wasn't a member of this church, but this person wrote and asked me, he said, uh, do you love and support transsexuals or do you tell them to turn away from their identity? You hear that question? It's a loaded question. Uh, What does it mean to love someone? In that person's mind, it is to support, to affirm their their transsexual identity. It's a loaded question. Uh, It makes assumptions about what does it mean to love? Well, here in this congregation, we hear from John again and again, love one another. We should ask the question, what does it mean? What does God mean when he says uh, to, to love someone? Uh, The point is, not everything that gets called love is love. Uh, In the 70s, uh, the word love was all the rage. Free love was was the mantra of that day. And and much of that so-called love brought about brokenness, misery, loneliness, uh, and and harm. Well, in the church today, too, uh, the word love can mean a lot of different things. Uh, it, is, it is set up in, in, in the church today as the highest of the virtues, and that's rightly so. John says God is love. Uh, but it's understood very differently from one church to another. Uh, in one place, love might mean accept someone's lifestyle and affirm it. In another place, love uh, might mean, uh, for their sake, correct that lifestyle. Very different meaning. Uh, So love can can mean different things to different people. And and the reality is sin and and brokenness, our fallenness, the mere fact that we are sinners, uh, redefines how we think about love. Uh, It's entirely possible to think that you're loving someone when in fact you're doing harm to them. It's entirely uh, possible. And so what we want to do is understand what does Christ mean? What does God mean when he says love one another? What does that look like in his eyes? Uh, So uh, that brings us then to verse 2 where the Apostle John says, By this we know that we love the children of God. How? When we love God, he says, and obey his commandments. And think about this. Uh, True love as God sees it, as God understands it, uh, is defined by a prior love for God and obedience to His commandments. As God understands it, you cannot love your brother and sister uh, in Christ if there is not a, a prior love for God Himself and obedience and commitment to His commandments. Uh, True love is not just whatever feels loving. Uh, It is grounded, uh, hear hear this loud and clear, in the righteousness of God. True love is grounded in the righteousness of God. Uh, True love is also righteous. As defined by God who is love and is also righteousness. True love is righteous. It is love that desires what is best for the other person, which is, therefore, the righteousness of God. It desires, true love desires, to see the righteousness of God take shape, take form in the life of the other person. That's what God means when He says, love one another. True love, then, does not just desire the happiness of the other person, but desires even more 
their holiness. Uh, it, or or to, to say it more, more accurately, in fact, uh, it does not settle for a lower, lesser, superficial, passing happiness, but rather desires the incomparably deep and sweet joy that comes from a life of knowing God, loving Him, and living with Him. That's what true love desires for one another. Uh, Therefore, true love is defined by a prior love for God and a prior commitment to His justice and His righteousness. Now, here's the thing. Some of us, as we hear that, as we think about that, we might immediately recognize, yes, that's true. Uh, And at the same time, we might also feel a certain sense of despair because we then think, well, how can I love like that? How can I love with that sort of commitment to God's commandments when I don't feel that commitment even in my own life? Uh, the reality is uh, we feel every day that, that, that the desire of the world tugs at our hearts. Well, if the world is pulling at us, how can we love someone else to whom the, who the world is also uh, pulling at? If we ourselves uh, find ourselves so weak and, and we think we barely feel uh, the desire to, to see Christ's commandments, Christ's righteousness taking shape in our life, how much less can we then love one another with that kind of of love? Uh, Moreover, uh, our minds too, it's not just our hearts, our minds are also fallen. Uh, We don't even know half the time what does the righteousness of God actually look like in in someone's life, in our own life, much less in the life of, of someone else. So we can hear this command, love one another, with a love that's defined by God and His righteousness, and we can almost step back in despair. I can't do that. I can't love like that. Uh, My heart and my mind are afflicted with fleshly, worldly, fallen, uh, distorted desires and perspectives. I myself am not sanctified uh, with the righteousness of Christ. How much less can I then seek to see someone else? Uh, thus sanctified. Uh, So we hear that, and suddenly that kind of love can feel burdensome to us. can feel like a burden that God lays upon us. Uh, uh, Because we think, I don't have it within me to love like that. How how can we we, we practice a, a love that helps others to be shaped and ruled by Christ when we ourselves struggle on a daily basis to be shaped and ruled by Christ. If, in, in other words, if we haven't overcome the world in our own struggle against the world, how can we help someone else to do that? Well, here's where John actually stops and corrects that sense of despair. Because he, act, he, he says, actually, you do have it within you, by God's grace, to love like that. Why? Because notwithstanding your weaknesses, notwithstanding how much you struggle, your faith in Christ is your victory against the world. Uh, He says, 1 John 5, verse 3, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Why? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and here's the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. If our faith is in Christ 
then notwithstanding all our weaknesses, our victory against the flesh, our victory against the world is secure. And so we can love with that kind of righteous love. Even though the world tugs at our hearts, even though our minds are not yet fully uh, renewed in the image and righteousness of Christ, even though we may often feel lost in worldly, fleshly thinking and desiring, even so, yet our faith in Christ, or, or rather, the faith that God Himself has implanted within us, is a sure and strong victory against the world. Now, the fact that we, by God's sovereign grace, are holding on to Christ, who came into the world to die for sin and to rise to righteousness, the fact that we are holding on to Him, notwithstanding what weaknesses remain in us, is an absolute victory over the world. Even though the world still pulls at us, uh, we have overcome the world because our faith in Christ, which God has implanted in us, is the secure anchor that holds us to the righteousness of God. And moreover, even more than that, it is the seed from which that righteousness grows within us. And that means you can love your brothers and sisters, with a godly, righteous, sanctified love, even with all of your own weaknesses. Because as long as our faith is in Christ, uh, the the faith that holds us like a lifeline to God Himself, uh, as long as our faith is there, the world will not break us away from God, and, and God will continue to renew and sanctify us more and more. And as He does that we also love with a renewed and sanctified love. Even though uh, we're, uh, we may feel tossed around in the waves uh, as, the, as the world pulls at us, as our flesh pulls at us, as Satan weighs war, uh, wages war against us, uh, we may feel tossed around in the waves, uh, and we are certainly not out of the water, uh, yet that single lifeline of our faith holding on to Christ, which God has implanted in us, is a secure victory. If you're holding on to that lifeline, you will not be washed away in the waves. So, brothers and sisters, the fact that you are here believing in Christ, uh, desiring to partake of communion with Christ, is the evidence of God having made you new. And then everything else in your daily struggle against the flesh, against the world, against Satan, will flow uh, out of that faith in Christ. So you can love one another with a righteous a life-giving love that comes from Christ, uh, even for all of your weaknesses. Uh, You are still being renewed, yes, uh, but you are nonetheless new. You are a new creation in Christ. Uh, So also then God's commandments, as you seek to walk in them yourself, and you you don't yet know fully what that looks like in your life, but you are walking in them, seeking to walk in them. As you do that, you may also walk alongside 
your brothers and sisters in Christ, helping them step by step to walk in the commandments of God. You don't know exactly what the end will look like, but you do know the next step that God teaches you to walk in because it flows from your faith in Christ. And so we get to keep the commandments, John tells us, not as a heavy load that God foists upon our back, uh, but rather as a new life that God works within us as we hold on to Christ. And that then, that makes the exercise of that love, that righteous love, actually quite simple. And not easy, but simple. Uh, It is, uh, so how do you love your brothers and sisters uh, with a godly, righteous love? Very simply, fix your eyes on Christ constantly And you yourself will not only grow in righteousness yourself, but you will love well with the righteous and sanctifying love of God. And that's exactly why we're here at the Lord's table, to fix our eyes again on Christ. As we receive His body and blood, to remember all of our righteousness is from and in Him. We come to be assured of the peace that we have with Him. And as we do that, He holding on to us and we holding on to Him, we shall most certainly learn more and more what it means not only to walk ourselves in the commandments of God, but to love one another with a righteous, godly, and holy love. Because that's how Christ has loved us. Amen. Uh, As we reflect on, on God's word, then let's sing together from Psalm 119, verses 13 through 15.